Well, welcome to this week's podcast. This is Live Transformed, Audrey, myself, and of course, Dr. Jim Richards. Jim, good to have you with us. Man, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else right now. I know, I know. <laughs> you keep saying that, but it's amazing to me that you actually believe it. I believe it. That's amazing. No, I do. I know, I, I, I believe listen, you. I love our time together. Me I, you too. Know, I, love, I love ministering with you guys. I've said this, you know, I don't even know how many times, but you know, there are certain people that bring out the best in me, Yay. and I'm, I'm better at what I do when I'm, you know, with those people, yeah. and you guys you're, are at the top of that list. Your, your wife, Brenda, thanks us. Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and we got to see your beautiful wife, Brenda, today. I mean, I wish all of you listeners, we love you so much, listeners, but I wish you could have seen, um, before, as we were getting started, we got to say hi to Brenda today. And she, it was yeah. morning time. And I was like, man, she looks good in the morning. Like, you seriously have a gorgeous wife, Jim. And she's so, I, I'm she's so I'm fun and spunky. That's right. There you go. I, I like that spunky part. Oh, I know. She's sassy. I love it. All right. For, for those that would like, you can meet all of us. You yeah. Know, at In the, the morning yeah. time. Yeah. Heart Physics Weekend coming up. Next Level Relationships. And so the information is on the website. And that is what? October 21st. Octo October 21st. Thank yeah. you, Audrey. And, and I would. I think it would be well worth we've already talked with several people that are making plans that are faithful listeners to the mm -hmm. podcast come, coming from different states saying i'm coming yeah i've had a few Good. people say can you pray with me that i can get a roommate and some people to help me and it's worked out and the next day it's like answer to prayer answer to prayer so maybe you're mm -hmm. one of those people that say maybe that would never that would, i could never make that happen well, you know what? Set your intention and say, and ask God. You mm -hmm. know, I just love that scripture where he says to ask him, you know, just ask him and see what happens. Like start to move in that direction because we would love to meet you. You know, I'll, I'll, throw you, I'll throw you in a little Greek lesson real quick. like Because I wanted one this morning. I was hoping for a Greek lesson. The word ask in the Greek New Testament yeah. is it is not an inquiry to determine the willingness the word ask in the Greek New Testament is always asking with the assumption of the answer. Because oh. if, you, if you know the promises of God, then you should never be asking without knowing the answer. You, you oh. should never ask God for anything if you don't know the answer to right. it because you're, you're not asking in faith. Yes. So, you know, now there may be details about the answer, but does right. God want you to participate in something that, that helps you grow, helps you have a better marriage? Yes. Mm -hmm. Can God make a way? Yes. yes. And the only reason, the only reason in those circumstances that, uh, uh, you know, that God, and God's going to work on your behalf. So that, that, that's the thing. He is going to work on in your behalf mm -hmm. in in your spouse and everybody involved. But at some point, you know, wisdom, if you're in a volatile situation, may say, okay, I have a sense that I just don't need to do this. Right. But the, the problem is not going to be that God's not willing. Mm -hmm. The problem is going to be whether, as you listen to the wisdom of God, whether mm -hmm. or not it is the wise thing to do. Is at that it moment. the wise thing to do at that moment? And am I presuming something? Because sometimes I really do presume. I When I get wanting something, it can get a little bit into determination and like, you know what I'm saying? Like I get yep. bulldozing through. And yep. then when I start forcing something and I feel that force, I, it's like I turn a corner, I start yep. forcing something, and then I have to check that wisdom gauge and think, yep. okay, God, I have presumed that I need to do this or this is the right thing to do, but I'm just going to go ahead and surrender that to you and say, Lord, is this wisdom? You know what I'm saying? Because I, I, I yep. feel myself forcing it right now. You know, uh, uh, interesting testimonies that we get often will be, and, and of course, this, this happens more with the woman uh, and her husband giving the testimony than it does in reverse. Because, you know, in our, the way our world is shaped, you, you know, women uh, tend to be a little yeah, more dominated, being be dominated careful. by their husbands, you <laughs> yeah. know. Yeah. And, um, uh, but one of the things that's really interesting, we've had a lot of women over the years that their husbands, you know, were kind of controlling and um, and they would not want them participating, you know, coming to Huntsville and coming to right. these meetings. And uh, there wouldn't even necessarily be meetings about relationships, just meetings about, you know, growing in God, walking in love, those general things. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is many times those very men that are resistant to it because of the changes that take place 
in their life start actually encouraging them to come and participate in these meetings because it makes such a dynamic difference yes in, in their marriages it's so true. And then and because when you start actually trusting God and you're not as fearful, you just automatically stop controlling. And no matter yep. how you do it, I mean, for years and years, and my tendency is to just control through my sweetness. We don't know we're controlling because I'm being so sweet about it, but it's still controlling because there's fear behind it. And mm -hmm. um, we'll probably talk a lot about this at the, at the next level relationships, but I can have the same action towards Bob from a motivation of fear or from wisdom. And so that is always the question. Am I doing this out of wisdom and out of love? Mm -hmm. Or am I doing this out of fear and out of some form of a need? You know? So it's interesting. Mm. Love it. All right. So, so that's coming up October. Mm-hmm. October 21 weekend. Yep. All can come. Yes. All right. Make Epis the plans. Make the phone call. And we'd love to have you there. All right. Today. Yep. Episode, episode 91. Episode 91. Let's talk about the Holy Spirit. Last week we talked about being filled with the Holy Spirit. Tell us what you're passionate about the direction you're going to today, Jim. Well, I, I, you know, the, when, you, when we begin to talk about the Holy Spirit, the listeners are going to usually fall into one of two categories. They're either, either going to fall into a category where... Uh, where, where yielding to the Holy Spirit was something almost uh, all, that almost looked like a psychological breakdown. Yeah, <laughs> you know, people getting extreme, going crazy. You know, I can, I can remember hearing pastors stand up and preach, and I mean, they just rant and rave, and and then they would say, "Now, you know, I don't really know what I just said because I was I was under the, whole, the power of the Holy Spirit." Right. Well, mm -hmm. that's not true. You know, that's, that's nonsense. That's just, that's just ranting and raving. But anyhow, so you got that group of people that if that's their paradigm, and th then they try to convince themselves that there's something normal about that. Mm. Then you got another group of people on the other end that grew up in conservative environments that, that uh, number one, they're afraid that if they yield to the Holy Spirit, they're going to look like those nut jobs over here. Right. Uh -huh. <clears throat> uh, but the biggest thing is, is they have no concept uh, because that was never discussed in their environment, you, you know. So uh, it's kind of like you're bad... describing two extremes. Well, it is, and and almost any time we're speaking to any group about almost anything, those <laughs> are the two. There's always these two extremes, mm -hmm. and very few people have done the unique. And the unique is, if you're following Jesus as Lord and you're a disciple, then. You never throw anything away that's in the scripture mm -hmm. because some denomination or some group has abused it and made it look foolish. Mm -hmm. But <clears throat> instead, you read it and just say, what would this look like in my life if, if I trusted this, if I yielded to it? You know, when we had, a, when we had residential Bible school students, and you know, we still have a Bible school, it's just not a residential Bible school, but when we had residential Bible school students, um, in one of our classes uh, about teaching people to yield to the Holy Spirit and follow the Holy Spirit, uh, we would take them out into the community and they would minister to people. But it wasn't much, it didn't look like you know your typical people minister on the streets. This kind of evolved out of how I spent my first three years of ministry, and that is out on the streets, just listening to the Holy Spirit. And when the Lord would kind of point out somebody to me, I'd go to him. And many times I would get what the Bible calls words of knowledge, where I would just see somebody and instantly know something about them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I would just walk up to them and I'd say, hey, my name is Jim. And, you know, I saw you over here and I just, you know, don't want to bother you. But when I saw you, God spoke to my heart about you. And I would tell them what God had spoken to my heart. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, it would just... It would their heads would almost blow up because it would always be something that was either had weighed on them their whole life or be something wow. that just in the last day or two had mm -hmm. you know had had emerged as sure. a problem in yeah. their life, and like I said, the Bible calls that as much a word of knowledge. Or and so and so from the, that leading of the Holy Spirit, I'd get a connection to people, and then I would lead them to Jesus, and, mm -hmm. and you know right there on the street. Mm -hmm. So but we would take our students out and, and do this type of ministry and just teach them to listen and pay attention inwardly. And here was our, here was our, our, 
our motto, I guess, for teaching people to yield to the Holy Spirit. And we all, I mean, we told them this every week was, remember, if yielding to the Holy Spirit, if you do it in church differently than how you would do it in Walmart, you're just acting religious. Whoa, that's a, that's just a really great. That was our operational, yes. whatever you would call it, you know. Well, it takes all mandate. the goofiness out of it. Well, well, it does because, you know, in a controlled environment where people are culturally taught to accept nonsense, you can go in, you, you know, you can do crazy things in church, but, but these people have been taught sometimes that the crazier you are, the more of the Holy Spirit you're involved uh, in. Absolutely. I've been through decades of that. You know, the louder you are, yeah. the more extreme you are, the more powerful it is. Yeah. And but the real truth is you get somebody walk into one of those services off the street that hasn't been conditioned. Mm -hmm. They look at this and go, you guys are crazy. Absolutely. And they, and they, they walk out the door. Mm -hmm. Well, like I say, now, if, if but if you if you do it in Walmart, you're going to get put in jail. They're going to call the police. You're going to be arrested for being mentally unstable. So how do I listen to, yield to, flow in the gifts of the Holy Spirit in a way that actually works in real life. And both of those groups are so extreme that they have nearly no concept of what it might look like in real life. Mm -hmm. And so that, that's kind of always where I want to start when we start talking about our involvement with the Holy Spirit. Okay. Taking a look, Jim, at, um, and again, uh, as we began today's podcast, we were looking at different at different times when the phrase being used, being filled with the Holy Spirit, yeah. being filled, being filled, and the idea and the concept <laughs> of 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 uh, you know just uh, an empty glass, you know, fill it with more mm -hmm. tea, you know, just fill it more with more yeah. tea. So every day, you know, <laughs> Bob watches me do that all day. Yeah, Audrey, Audrey <laughs> does it all tea. day. <laughs> but you know, everyone everyone uses the phrase. Well, you know, because we're imperfect people yep. you know our lives leak so we leak out the holy spirit and so we can't contain it and so we <laughs> got to be filled again and again so right. i mean that's the concept that that people view so you go to a camp meeting you go to a church meeting you go on the weekend whatever that you might be filled again hoping that it'll last you all week long <laughs> yeah, <right>. <laughs> <laughs> no you're right i mean that is the basic that's really, concept that's a good yep. point bob you know that's is, a good is that that's the way people see and i need yep. more because you know my my life isn't working and so uh let, let's talk about that phrase being filled because it's used in different places but it mm -hmm. isn't necessarily the, <laughs> you know the image that i'm giving you know of you know being topped up you know right. being filled but you were speaking about it has everything to do with yielding to the Holy Spirit. Yeah. You know, one of the things that we have to start off with is, is when, we were, when we were born again, we were baptized into the body of Christ. Now, the word baptism uh, is a transliteration. And a transliteration is where they just take a Greek word and spell it in English. Hmm. And the reason the, the reason we have a transliteration of the word baptism is because the Catholic Church stopped baptizing people the way it was done in the Bible, which is by immersion. Mm -hmm. And they started baptizing by sprinkling, and they really did that to cater to the wealthy. Because, you know, the wealthy didn't want to humble themselves and go through the ceremony of baptism. You know, a king or something, you know, or royalty, they, they weren't going to do all that. So, so the word baptizo has always meant to fully immerse. Mm -hmm. And actually, it's a word used of ships that would sink at sea, they, baptismo. They didn't, they didn't have a little rain fall on them. They were totally covered over. So we are baptized into the body of Christ, which means that, that we, we really become, you know, buried, so to speak, in him. Mm -hmm. But likewise, Jesus comes into us by the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, if it's an immersion, 
And when, and when I'm baptized in the body of Christ, it's not it's not like just part of me gets saved and part of me is still hanging out out here. You know, it's like okay, my head my head got baptized and my head's buried underwater here and it's saved and it's doing pretty good. But boy, my heart's out there somewhere, my legs out there somewhere. You know, it it just gets into this goofiness of like saying you can have part of a person. Yes. So, so we're we're, we're thrown into now. We may we may not yield to it we may not trust it we may not believe in it but it's a it's an actuality Mm -hmm. so likewise when jesus came into us by the holy spirit we didn't just get a little bit of him Mm -hmm. as a matter of fact you know one of the things i hammer is we can never we never have our standards set right as far as who we want to be as a christian what what our lives could look like if our standard is anybody other than Jesus. Hmm. If my standard of, hmm. of who I think I can be as a believer is the Apostle Paul, it's too low. Right. If it's, if it's the Apostle Peter, if it's too low. If it's my yeah. favorite preacher, it's too low. My standard is Jesus. How did he live? You know, how did he conduct himself? What power worked in his life? All that kind of stuff. So, Unfortunately, because we don't believe that Jesus was really a man, and we, we talked about that. Was we it last sure week did. We yes, we it? did. Yep. Once I come to accept that he emptied himself and became a man, then suddenly he can be my model for everything. Yes. Well, in the book of John, I don't even remember where it is. It's early in the book of John. It ta- it, 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 and the King James says it this way. And, and remember, there are deliberate mistranslations in the King James Version of the Bible, because the doctrine of the church was already established when this translation was written. And if the translators translated in a way that contradicted the position of the church, well, they could be burned at stake. So, you know, they didn't really, that's why they had a lot of transliterations. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you'll see in the King James Bible, you'll see words that are italicized. And that, that means those words are not in the original language. They are inserted to provide the interpretation that the translator wants to give it. So one of the phrases that's applied to Jesus in the book of John is that, is that, uh, uh, that God gives him the spirit without measure. Mm-hmm. Well, if you take out the italicized words, the words that are not in Greek, it just says God gives the spirit without measure. Not to him, but God oh, always gives a spirit without measure. Okay, got it. So, and we talked about this last week. And I just want to get everybody on the same page. So, yes. I've got, I've got to accept that every aspect of God is in me right now. And we, mm-hmm. you know, we, we talked about this, and you know, you and, and I. I'm glad even we're before, talking about it again. Yeah, c- yeah. Because I you saw know, we you. Talked, you and I talked about it even before we started the podcast. Yes. Just that dynamic of realizing and accepting there is nothing left to get. Yes. Every aspect of God is already in me. Yeah. Yes. So so people would say, if there's nothing left to get, why am I not healed? Right. If there's nothing left to get, why am I not, why don't I have joy and peace? There is a concept that is just so overlooked. If there's nothing left to get then all that's left to do is to harmonize with what you have. Mm. Well, you say, how do we harmonize? Well, we yield to it. Yes. In, in other words, if you know, uh, uh, I, I wasn't a skateboarder. Skateboarding came up a little while while I was about 14 years old. And back in those days, the wheels were so crude and, <laughs> man, they were so hard to manipulate that... N- I think about one out of three people that had a skateboard had a had a broken elbow. You know what I mean? Right. Because they were just so difficult. So, 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 I, so I didn't skateboard. But you know, <laughs> later on when skateboarding came back in, yeah. you would see these guys that they'd be going down the down the road and they just grab a bumper of a car. Mm-hmm. Now that now they at that moment in time they 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 were driven or they were powered by mm-hmm. the car not by their strength. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, for my mind, that's a good way to understand what happens when I harmonize 
with the power of God that's inside me. It's like you just get into this flow. Like it's almost like into that perfect flow of a situation where things are effortless and where they they don't take as much willpower and much, you know, personal determination. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, and, and the scripture is full of words that are, Maybe not exactly synonymous, but they're incredibly overlapping. Like you'll you'll mm-hmm. have a lot of different words that overlap and apply to one particular idea, so that you have all these different ways of seeing it. And so, so, so you know, there is the, the word harmonize mm-hmm. is is in the scripture, uh, and like when it talks in I believe it's Galatians about walking in the Spirit. That's that's that concept of harmonizing with the Holy Spirit. But uh, the word receive that we've talked about is there. There is a passive word in the Greek for receive, which is it'd be like, okay, somebody throws you a baseball and you just stick up your hand. And if it lands in your Mm -hmm. glove, you receive it. You don't do anything else. Yeah. But then there's a receive where you take hold of something and bring it to yourself. Not passive. Not passive. That's the guy that the the ball would fly right over his head. But man, he grabs it. And you know brings it down to right. himself. Right. So, so um, the concept of receiving the Holy Spirit is not so much about trying to get the Holy Spirit or get more of the Holy Spirit. It's more about taking hold of and harmonizing with the Holy Spirit that is in you that you have. Mm. Now, I'm dispelling some myths here before we even get into the fruit of this. Mm. So then there's another concept, a kind of a religious concept that is really false. And this one, boy, people have trouble with this one. You know, there's a lot of teaching about getting more anointing. Yes. Now, the concept of anointing had, had le- more legitimacy in the Old Testament, because mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit did not come and dwell permanently on someone. And so an anointing would be the Holy Spirit that you don't have living in you comes upon you. Hmm. Well, in, in the New Testament, that concept is not even scriptural. And the Gnostics that invaded Christianity and are really the cause of, to this day, some of the worst doctrine and most destructive doctrine that the church teaches, the Gnostics were the ones that really pushed the idea of different anointings and getting greater anointings, greater measures of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Well, the Apostle John, and First John, he says, look, he says, just let the anointing that you have abide. Mm-hmm. In other words, the, uh, uh, the anointing you have is the anointing that Jesus has because you're in him. Yes, yes. So there's only one anointing. So the question is, if there's only one anointing, I can, you know, Jesus is in me, I'm mm-hmm, in him, mm-hmm. uh, so that means I am in his anointing, his anointing's in me. So the question then is, why does it not work in me maybe as magnificently as it does in somebody else? Well, it's real simple. The issue is not getting more, it's yielding to harmonizing or taking hold of however you would want to describe it the anointing that you do have it's not about getting more it's about yielding more yeah yielding more so thus we have the concept of being filled with the holy spirit and you know this is where we all started and this this will be the end of this particular rant but this is kind of a long theological answer to to the question that bob presented so Being filled, the English word for being filled, is like Bob was saying, it's about topping off the glass, pouring more into the glass. But when you look at all of the places that the word filled with the Spirit is used in the New Testament, in the majority of them, you see that being filled with the Holy Spirit always produced the ability to do something, if you look at the context, mm-hmm. to do something that you just couldn't do in your own strength. Like it would say, you know, when the disciples were being persecuted, it would say, and being filled with the Spirit, they spoke the word boldly. Okay, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so a power worked yes. in them that was greater than their own. Yes. Or, you know, um, uh, you know, uh, 
being filled with the Spirit, uh, like, like Peter and John, you know, whenever, whenever they were threatened with their lives for preaching the gospel, being filled with the Spirit, you know, they did thus and so. Mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, <clears throat> and so the context always is telling you something about that word and something about what that word produces. So when you look at the book of Ephesians, you find kind of the kind of the quintessential place where we go to talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit. And um, uh, verse 17 of, of, uh, of Ephesians 5 says, uh, oh, but you know what? Let's, let's even back up a little bit. Let's go back to verse 15. It says, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Now, we have this tendency to think of redeeming the time as making the best use of time. But the word redeem basically means, you know, to buy something back. Mm-hmm. Now, I see one of the greatest promises for people who have had failures in their life in this passage of Scripture. Mm-hmm. Because if buying something back is what redeeming is, and, and we're buying back time, then in this scripture, it's showing you the possibility, and it's tied to it's tied to being filled with the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. It's showing you the possibility of restoring something to the original opportunity. Yeah. You know, one... And when we had our residential Bible school, I was always having to counsel these Bible school students. And and uh, when opportunity would come to a Bible school student, so many times that opportunity would be totally incongruent with their stated goals. You know, they would say, God led me here. God wants me to go to school. God wants me to get my, my degree. God, you know, da 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 da. All these reasons I'm here, yeah. and then they get some kind of an opportunity. Hashtag say, distraction. You know, I, I th- yeah, it's like I think God, I think this is a God opportunity. Mm-hmm. Well, well, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Did you thought God led you here to do this, right? Well, yes, but I think God's telling me this now. So did God change his mind? You know, you'd have to take, mm-hmm. you'd have to take them through this, this whole logic. Mm-hmm. Well, what was happening because of, of unbelief, they were afraid that if they didn't take that opportunity when it was there, that they'd never get it again. And my counsel always, always was, if you follow what you absolutely trust, to be God's leading, you know, and it's based on the scripture. And if, you know, if there's no guile in here, then the truth is that opportunity will come back to you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But when it comes back to you, you'll be more mature, you'll be more stable, and you will be more likely to be able to seize that opportunity and succeed at it. So he's saying, don't be fools and don't walk foolishly, but walk circumspectly. Well, if I'm being circumspect, then I realize that, that if I walk with God and if I trust God, every opportunity that comes and goes, I'm never missing an opportunity because I'm, because I'm continuing to follow the path that God called me on. And, and if I will continue to walk with God, Somehow, somewhere, that opportunity is going to come back to me, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I'm going to seize it, and I'm going to seize it that next time, walking in a power that's not my own. Do you know so how anyhow, much hope this brings? So much hope to our listeners. Like, think about this. Like, oh, I hope so. Yes, because the thing is, is that we've all had missed opportunities, or we all have regrets. We all wish we would have done something different, or we would have experienced a personal failure, and 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 wondered what we missed because of that failure, or you know, those kind of things. We, we can do that. Yeah. But this scripture is basically associating this concept with the Holy Spirit because being filled with the Holy Spirit, they were able to do this. So what you're saying is when we are being filled with the Holy Spirit, we are able to trust God for opportunities that, that was back to the restoration of what he originally planned for our lives. 
It's very exciting. Yeah, it, I think it just gets bigger and bigger the more you think about yeah. what all that means. Yes. To redeem the time, to buy back the time. You know, I, I tell people this with their kids. You know, people will come to me and it's like, man, you know, they'll tell me this. You know, I made a, I, I made a, I was a disaster raising my kids. Sometimes it'd be because they were in sin and they got their kids using drugs and drinking. Sometimes it'd be because they were mean and religious and judgmental and turned their kids against God. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know what? You can buy that time back. Mm-hmm. Now, you, you can't buy that time back trying to force it. You can't buy that time back trying to push it. And you're not smart enough to figure out the strategy. Mm-mm. You can buy that time back by every day yielding to the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. and how he leads you to function in that situation. See, you know, I trust the Holy Spirit to, just the other night, I was, I I got a, I was laying in bed. I got a text from my daughter or one of my daughters. And she said, uh, she said, there was a shooting just a couple of houses down from me. Somebody was killed and the police are all over the neighborhood here trying to find the person that did it because it got away. You know, I just, Closed my eyes, went immediately into my heart zone, mm-hmm. and I thought about my daughter, and all I felt was absolute peace. Hmm. And and uh, and I just said, Father, I, you know, I trust. I, and I actually just spoke these words. I said, No harm, peace, mm-hmm. and that was it. That, that was yeah. my whole prayer. Yeah. And so you know, I just texted her back and I said, Don't worry, you're not in any danger. Right. Nothing's going to happen to you. Mm-hmm. But then there have been times where. You know, I would get a sense about something with my girls, one of my girls, and I would send them a text or call them and say, one of the times I remember the most that stands out as the simplest to understand, one of my daughters was going to work one night. I've I've told this story on here before, and there was a place where the employees were supposed to park. It was in a shopping mall. And, uh, And that place where they made the employees park was out of the way, and it was dark and all that kind of stuff. And um, I called her at work and I, or before she went to work. And I said, don't park in the employee parking tonight. Uh, just, find, you know, even if you have to lose your job or mm-hmm. park somewhere else. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So she parked somewhere else. Well, that night there was a guy attacking women and robbing them and, you know, could have gotten molested. Who, who knows where it could have gone and robbing women, mm-hmm. employees that were coming out as they were going to their cars. Wow. See, I want the Holy Spirit involved in how I raise my kids. That doesn't mean I'm going to do everything right. But you know what? He can buy back the time. And he can, through his manifestation of, of his gifts and everything, uh, uh, we can recover any losses. Mm-hmm. So, so this thing just to me, this is, this is one of those things you could preach a month about, you know, just I know. buy back the time. And preempt every sentence with, because they are filled with the Holy Spirit. This happened. Yep. I mean, it's because they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Like, that's what I've really heard today. Absolutely. Because it was having that ability to do something you could not do in your own strength. That's the biblical word for being filled. That, you know, it's not being topped off. It's just yep. that special ability that you can't do this. It's not It's not logical to be able to replace time no. or redeem time. But you can. But you can. You know, I, I, I love to tell the story about, you know, as, as a musician... You know, before when I got saved, uh, I was I was in a deal with some pretty serious drug dealers, and um, so when I gave my heart to the Lord, you know, I knew I couldn't fulfill my end of the deal. Right. And so, um, uh, you know, these these were not the kind of people that you just go to and say, "Ah, you know, I've changed my mind." You know, you know, yeah, it, it just didn't work that way. And I'm I mean, really sorry uh, I owe you money, but let's just let it go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, uh, yeah you don't mind, right? I'm right. just for the Lord, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, in order for me to pay out my debt to these guys, I had to sell everything. I mean, I sold my van. I mean, it put me on foot. I didn't have. A, I didn't even have a vehicle to drive. I sold all of my musical equipment, and and one of the, one of the things that I sold was a 1954. Gibson Les Paul. Well, 1954 Gibson Les Paul, you know, today would be worth thousands of dollars. And even back then, it was worth uh, it was worth anywhere from fifteen hundred to three thousand dollars, mm-hmm. which was a lot of money mm-hmm. back then. That'd be equivalent to about ten thousand dollars now. Right. And so I sold it for four hundred dollars. Wow. Uh, 
I just had to, I had, I had to buy my end out. Mm-hmm. And um, so, uh, you know, I paid my way out. And, and, you know, when I sold it, I just said, Lord, you know, this is like the favorite guitar I right. ever, ever owned. And I just said, you know, if you can, if you can, and I didn't know anything about this principle at the time, mm-hmm. but I just said, you know, if there's any way in the future you can bring one of these back to me, I, I sure would appreciate it. <laughs> and that was it. That was the end of it. Because it was a big sacrifice. Yeah, you know I mean? yes. Well, you know, hanging on, actually, actually, it's, it's standing right, right, right here beside of me. Wow, <laughs> this that's right here it. I wish everyone could see what we're looking at right now. about a 55 Les Paul. Wow, and, it's beautiful. Uh, it came, you know, it came back to me for free about 30 years later. And, you know, wow. and, uh, you know, and if I'd have gotten it before that, I'd probably end up selling it again for ministry needs or something, you know. But the emotion of that is real because something touches it in the heart. And like that is something yeah. that Jesus knows about Jim that's really precious and something about your heart, about your heart's desires. And it's just amazing. See, if you, if you know that the time and the opportunities can be redeemed, you never get into greed Mm-hmm. You never get into selfishness. You never get into trying to force it because it's like, you know, I don't have to worry about this. This is going to come back to me at the right time. Mm-hmm. But anyhow, verse 17. So he says, therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Man, I'm telling you how many thousands of people have asked you or said to you, yeah, I just don't understand what the will of the Lord I is for my life. I God's will. I wish they would do yeah. anything to know God's will in their life. Well, well, here, here's one of the basic things you can know about God's will. If you've given your life to Jesus, don't be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Now, If, if, if my life is about being instead of doing, if all the doing just comes out of being, then if I yield to the Holy Spirit, I become this person. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit doesn't make you do anything. Mm-mm. He empowers you to be mm-hmm. whatever it is that, that the Word of God says you can be. Now, <clears throat> so if I become this person, this what I call an infectious person, yeah. I am infectious with, yes. you know, with, with joy, joy and, yes. and, and happiness and thankfulness. Man, a lot of uh, people just don't understand those kinds of attitudes become the magnets and the door openers for everything you want in life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But there's a there's an interesting phrase in here. And you just think, why did they throw this phrase in here with this thing about being filled with the Holy Spirit and being happy and singing and, you know, being thankful. And, well, remember, anytime you find this, anything about being filled with the Holy Spirit, you're always going to find something that you couldn't do in your own strength. And one of them is submit to one another in the fear of the Lord. Mm. And then it goes into... A pass, one of the most ignored passages of scriptures that's usually taken out of context about husbands and wives. Mm-hmm. And that is that you are supposed to equally mm-hmm. submit to one another. Not just the wife submitting to the husband, but both being yielding mm-hmm. to each other. Mm-hmm. But, but before we dive into that, so <laughs> let's go back up. So it, it juxtaposes the concept of being drunk. Yes. And what that produces, which uh, the King James word there is is, uh, is dissipation. So it juxtaposes uh, being drunk with wine. Uh, to being filled with oh, the Holy Spirit. To being filled with the Holy Spirit. So anytime in the scripture you see these types of, uh, these types of, uh, uh, of concepts presented, you know, back to back or one juxtaposing against the other, you realize that, that uh, it's a, you're, you're getting a concept. It, yes. it gives you a way, it, it'll give you a concept you understand to, under, to grasp a spiritual principle uh, that you don't necessarily understand. So 
the word yield, when you start looking at it, how it's, I mean, excuse me, the word filled with the Holy Spirit, when you start looking at all the ways that it's used, and, and you look at the context, and, and so we're looking at the context of, okay, there's something about being filled with the Holy Spirit that is just like being drunk with wine. Mm-hmm. And they both produce something. The wine produces dissipation or being un, you know, kind of uncontrollable mm-hmm. uh, or, or getting into excess behavior. Or having un- well, no be- filters. Yeah, being filled with the Holy Spirit gets you into a certain type of excessive behavior. Mm-hmm. That excessive behavior, though, is thankfulness, you know, uh, worshiping, acknowledging one another, and the capacity to, to submit to one another, to yield to one another. So... Being drunk is being under the influence. So being filled with the Holy Spirit, and this this is totally in line with the understanding of the Greek word, is totally in line with the context of how this is used throughout the New Testament. Uh, Being filled with the Holy Spirit is about being under the influence. Well, since we are free will individuals, that means we have to yield to an influence that's already present. Mm -hmm. So the best way to understand being filled with the Holy Spirit is not getting more of the Holy Spirit, but yielding to the influence that we realize in our heart is the Holy Spirit. Well, that was a long way to get down to that answer, wasn't it? No, but it really brought clarity. (laughs) No, and I I think for the listener, I know I'm really, really hearing all of this but I want to throw an, another concept in here, Jim, because I, I think this would be a good place for this, because, yes, it's a yielding to the Holy Spirit that's within, but yep. then there is also the influence of the Holy Spirit cascading or falling upon. Yep. Okay, so it's not an either or, it's an and both situation. Right. And, and so uh, in Acts chapter 10, you know, with Cornelius there, at the end of the chapter, you know, it speaks about, you know, they were hearing the word of the Lord being preached and the Holy Spirit, you know, came upon, cascaded down upon all of its listeners. You know, so there's there's a place where there's a, a yielding, you know, to the presence of the Holy Spirit, can I say, in the atmosphere or, or am I even saying that right? Well, I think, um, I, I, I don't think it's about saying it right or wrong. I think it's about f- just finding the concept that that makes sense to the person. Yeah. You, you know yes, what I mean? Yes, I do. You know, mo- models, just like being drunk with wine, golly, in, in religious communities today, they would, they would consider that taboo to compare being in the Holy Spirit, this holy thing, to being drunk. So, so. I think I think you're presenting an absolutely correct concept. I wouldn't understand it totally that way as much as I would think about that which is on the inside permeating yes. to the outside. Mm-hmm. So so if it, 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 you tell me if I'm you tell me if I'm supporting what you're saying because I I'm trying to. It, it would be like if I yield to the influence on the inside. I am also yielding to and participating and allowing that same influence on the outside. Yes. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes, that mm-hmm. does to me. Does it to you, Bob? Mm-hmm. The I guess the thing that I'm kind of getting at is a lot of people want to kind of step into the things of the spirit. Okay, they want to step into. They want to go to meetings that like that have geographically. I want to go to that place yes, where the Holy Spirit where is. the Holy Spirit is here. Right. Now, people will even pray. You know that. And again, getting back to this, uh, where we started. You know where these different anointings are, or different measures of anointing. You know, and people they want to go to these particular meetings. These they want buildings. to be with these people. Yes. They want to be in these locations. Uh, yeah, you know oh, the yeah. Azusa Street. You know all of these yeah. different revivals. You know because that's where the Holy Spirit is being poured out. Poured. You know, there's actually a doctrine that is taught by many of your. Pentecostal and charismatic revivalist. And, you know, the, 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 the Pentecostal and charismatic revivalists are the ones that have this uh, emphasis on the outpouring. 
You know, they're going yeah. to talk about the outpouring of the yeah, Holy yeah, Spirit. Yeah. Well, there's a couple of flaws in that doctrine. I'm not saying that everything that happens in those meetings is flawed, but no. in the doctrine itself, there, there are some flaws. Number one, they, they, many of these people teach that where geographically the Holy Spirit has been poured out in the past is where it'll happen again. Mm-hmm. Um, that is not even a biblical concept. Uh, you know, if that were the case, why, when the children of Israel were going through the wilderness, why did the Holy Spirit manifest wherever the tent of meeting was set up? Yeah. In other words, they would have had to stay in one place. And, and plus, one of the great concepts of the New Covenant is that you don't have to go to any place exactly. to encounter God or His presence because now uh, God's mercy seat, if you will, is in your own heart. He dwells yes. in yes. your own heart through the Holy Spirit. So what really happens, there are things that happen that if you, if you extricate biblical information, you just have to come up with a conclusion that supports what's happening. And, and what things look like on the outside are very often not the real re reason why they're happening. If, you know, there is, there is power and harmony and agreement when people come together, yes, right? I mean, the Bible teaches that. Yes. So if a thousand people come together that are, man, they're going to come together, they're going to yield to the Holy Spirit together, in whatever way. yes then there's going to be a manifestation of the Holy Spirit there that may be more demonstrative than something that's happened somewhere else. Mm -hmm. But the problem is we, we take all biblical explanation away from it and right. we say, see, this is a place right. where God shows up. When in reality, there was a bunch of people that were in full of anticipation and expectation, individually in harmony with the Holy Spirit. And as they got together with as one, yep. one group, it doesn't matter where they would have been. Right. It doesn't matter where they would have met or even the reason they met. They, they are full of anticipation. Yes. And it gets to happen in my home. It gets to happen on, on my walk. It gets to happen mm -hmm. anywhere. But, but yes, I, I totally have an understanding. Yeah, and I felt it was important to bring this out. Yeah. Because I don't want the listeners to to think that I have to find this place, these events, no. or these people, but to recognize that God's not holding out on you in any way whatsoever. No. And and to find that harmony yeah. in that mutual submission and relationship with with others, that harmonious um uh, multiplication, you know, if one can chase a thousand, two can chase ten thousand. Right. You know, when right. we come together, that's that's the experience that we have. Because the Lord says, when two or three are gathered together, there I am in their midst. Mm -hmm. And it speaks of, of their innermost being, you know, and, and we begin to share one yep. with another. And, oh. and and leading, there you know, is synergy with that. There is absolute like synergy. Like when we go to church that. and we worship with all these others, and that is leading right into you know here yeah. uh, in Ephesians chapter five when yes. it speaks about a relationship between a man and a yeah. woman, yeah. and I, to mutually submit to one another in the fear of the I, Lord. In the fear of the Lord, I think we need the, the Holy Spirit. Yeah. You see that? Well, not only do we need to be yielded to the Holy Spirit to really have the inner capacity and emotional capacity to do these things. But think about how that, that creates that oneness. Because mm -hmm. remember, when Jesus talked about some of these things, about the synergy of being together, he talked about where they agree in my name. They come in, and, I, and best I remember, that's, that word is very close to the word harmony, where they harmonize. And they're not just harmonizing with each other. They're harmonizing with each other and together in harmony with what God has done through the Lord Jesus. Yes. Now, there's an interesting converse okay. the doctrine that is really, it's the same doctrine, it's just flipped over another way. And that's the group of, so, so you got one group of people that says, okay, God shows up in this building. So if, if I'm in this building, God's going to show up. And this is, and so this is going to be a revival place because God's done this here in the past. And, and I mean, I am telling you, I, I, there are groups that are just 
goofy over that whole concept. But uh, that's really the converse of the same doctrine is when people show up together and their opening prayer is, God, we invite you into this place. Because they're saying God's not there Will you please if he's come? invited. Right. And, you know, I could see acknowledging, Father, I thank you that you are, you are here. here in yes. the midst of us yes. and getting people in agreement. Yes. But we have so many subtle things like that, that when people hear these doctrines or hear these things put in practice, they're not taught as doctrines. They're just kind of taught as part of the culture, culture of, of a yes. particular movement. Right. But the problem is what we hear repetitively over and over again starts shaping, our culture starts shaping our beliefs. So both of those doctrines, don't matter if you think God shows up at special places or you think that you have to beg God to show up, both of those doctrines leave the individual believer really kind of not sure if God's there, if God's mm -hmm. presence is there. And then you can leave that place and, and then question, was it yeah. a good meeting or wasn't it? Did no. God show up or did he not Am show up? Am I leaving up? God's presence now? You know, did I'm I catch the building? fire or not catch the fire? Right. No. And, and what, you know, what being filled with the Holy Spirit is, is, is the, the, the real question is, okay, God's always present. He, if I'm there, God's there. That's, that's the way I look at it, you know. And it doesn't matter where, and you, you guys know, you know, I've done these jungle crusades, man, I'm telling you where you were in dangerous, horrible places surrounded by witch doctors and and communist soldiers that want to kill you and all these kinds of things and and you know i can remember i can remember being out in these places and thinking you know what i am probably the only spirit-filled believer other, other than my translator i'm probably the only spirit-filled believer in a thousand miles and so you know there's got, there has to be that <laughs> sense that god is here because yeah, i'm here exactly and god is god is here in just a great as great of a measure as great of a measure with, yes. with me being there by myself yes. as he would be if there were a thousand of us here mm -hmm. we might have more confidence if a thousand were here but i'm here and and god's here <laughs> uh, yes. and so so the whole idea the, the real question is not is god here god's here because we're here the real question is do I recognize the influence of the Holy Spirit enough in my life that I confidently yield to whatever it is that he's, that he's going to be seeking to manifest in that situation? Mm -hmm. And it goes back to our parenting, you know, caring, caring and loving for, you know, our family. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It goes back to, you know, how we treat our spouses it goes back to how you treat your neighbor. Mm -hmm. if, yeah. if it's if it's not, if if yielding to the Holy Spirit isn't influencing your day to day decisions and choices, yeah. and giving you the empowerment, mm -hmm. you know that you could live in harmony, that you could live in peace with yes. one another, that you could bring righteousness, mm -hmm. you know that you can bring be, mercy, be the influencer, mm -hmm. yeah. uh, that you could, yeah, uh, wow, to, to be able to walk in mercy. Rather than in judgment? Because I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, I get to walk in mercy and mm -hmm. be clothed with tenderhearted mercy because of the Holy Spirit. Right. Like this is not something I by will put on, but because of the Holy Spirit, I could be clothed in tenderhearted mercy and patience and gentleness. You know, I've been, I, I'm, I'm re-recording a series that I first taught in 2001 uh, that, that uh, couples with my book, How to Stop the Pain. Mm -hmm. And uh, man, you know, you guys know that book is all over the world. We we have not only do Christian counselors and Christian psychologists use that book, but literally secular psychologists use that book in their practices. Wow, wow! And uh, I mean, it's one to me. It's it, it to me. It is the quintessential uh, instruction manual mm -hmm. for getting over the pain of the past and avoiding new pain. Mm -hmm. in in the future mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's an incredible and, incredible book. And, and you know one of the great teachings that jesus gave i talk about in my in my book how to stop the pain is uh you know when he taught about forgiving other people and so you know you know that, that, they must have been mad at somebody because they came to him and said, Look, how, how many times do we really have to forgive somebody and and they you know like one time you know jesus is like 
No, you know what? If your brother if your brother sins against you, you know, seventy times. I, mean, I think they got up to maybe seven times. You know, when they they were kind of bargaining with him almost. No, if he comes, if he sins against you seventy times in a day, comes back and asks you, you know, uh, to forgive him, then you you forgive him. And so it's really interesting. They went into self-justification mode, and they asked one of the stupidest questions in the Bible. And it's like they said, okay, okay, Lord, now we'll do this, but you're going to have to help our faith. You're going to have to give us the faith to do it. You know, that it'd be no different if they said, okay, you're going to have to give us an anointing to do this. Are you going to, uh-huh. you know, exactly, in other words, yes, this yes, is yes. so phenomenal <laughs> that it's going to take something unique and special from God <laughs> to be able to do this. Right. And of course, Jesus said, you know, Jesus' answer back, back I think, was pretty sarcastic. Uh-huh. At least when I hear it in my head. <laughs> and if I hear me saying it, I would be saying it pretty sarcastic. He's sort of like, faith? You think faith is the issue? Well, you know what? If you had faith the size of a grain of mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be plucked up by the roots and cast in the sea, and it would happen. So it's like, wait, wait a minute. So you mean if I just had that little bitty degree of faith, I could do that? Yeah. So you know what he's saying is, so faith has nothing to do with whether or not you can forgive people. And then he gives, he, he gives a parable. Parable is this. Uh, you know, a servant goes out, works in the field, tends to the sheep, works hard all day long. He comes in, he's tired, hungry, and exhausted and nasty. He cleans himself up. He prepares the master's food. He doesn't get to eat the food yet. He serves the master. He stands by and waits on him. And, you know, finally, after the master is taken care of, finally, he gets to eat something. And, and, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but Jesus is, sort of, is saying sort of like, and, and that, he didn't do anything special. He didn't, he didn't deserve any recognition for that. He said, because in the end, he just says, you know what? I'm just an unworthy servant. I just did my duty. I just did what did was required job. of me. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is saying, look, there's nothing special about forgiveness. But you could, when you think of how hard forgiveness is, just think of all the dimensions of relationships and interactions that that would invade. You know, being kind, being merciful, uh, being encouraging, you know, uh, uh, you know, it, you, this would go into any dimension of emotional relationship. And Jesus is saying all of these things are simply a matter of choice. So if I'm in any situation, if I know the character of God, see, because the Holy Spirit comes to manifest the character and nature of God in a situation. You know, a, a word of knowledge, like, you know, like a, I remember I was driving down the road one time. I mean, I'm driving down the highway, 70 miles an hour. I see, you know, walking down the, one of the side roads, I see a man walk down that side road, and the Lord, I, I just had this sense, go talk to this guy. And I started praying for him. And I had this sense of, I didn't tell you to pray for him. I said, go talk to him. So I turned around, go back, drive down there. And and it was a young black man. And I'm sure it made him nervous, you know, me, me pulling in there. And I, I stopped my car, got out of the car. And I said, listen, man. And I always would tell people something. You don't know me. My name is Jim Richards. I was just driving down the road here. And, uh, you know, the Lord spoke to my heart about you. Of course, he kind of gave me a, an uncomfortable look. And, and I, I said, you know, uh, you're trying to de- make a decision about, uh, about what you're going to do. You're facing a particular situation where, you're, where you need to make a decision. And, and you're, about, you're about to make the wrong decision. You're going to make a decision that's based on selfishness. And this is not going to come out the way you want it to come out. You're not going to get what you want out of this. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, if you'll, if you'll trust God, he, whatever the situation is, he's going he's gonna to heal this situation. He's going to heal your heart. And uh, so I asked him, I said, so does this make any sense to you? He said, oh, yeah. He said, me and my, uh, I can't remember if his, his wife or his living, we just split up last, you know, and, and we've got a kid. And he's, you know, he said, I was planning on doing this and this and this. 
And he said, and, and you're right, it's not going to work. I, man, I, I shared the love of God with him, prayed with him, best I remember, led him to Jesus. And when it was over, it was the most amazing thing. He said, you know, I, I've, never, I've never heard this concept of God. And he said, my father is a Baptist pastor. I never in my whole life knew God loved me or cared enough mm. to, to intervene in my life like this. So, you know, I talked to him a minute, hopped in my car, and this is the last time I ever saw him. Well, <clears throat> God manifests himself. I mean, think about Jesus when, he, when, he, you know, when he's standing there uh, 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 telling, what's his name, you know, to come down out of the tree, Zacchaeus, come down out of the, out of the tree. Or, or when he comes up to somebody and he addresses some issue in their life, and the whole reason is not to reveal it to the world. The, re the reason is to say, I know it, I see it, I love you, I I'm your solution. Mm -hmm. So the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, they are manifestations. And the word gifts, the Greek root word of gift is charis, which is where we get the term charismatic. But that word, that word root word charis is the word grace. And so grace is God's ability, God's capacity, God's power that works through your heart. So the Holy Spirit is there to manifest the nature the and the character of God, God in you, yeah. but also through you to the world outside of you. When Jesus healed, according to Acts 10, 38, he was yielding to the Holy Spirit who was manifesting the true character and nature of God so that not only was that need met, but so that people could look and say, oh, wait a minute, that's how God really is. That's what God really does. He doesn't, you know, you know he's, he, these sick people are getting healed. He's not telling them that they're sick because of how evil they are. He's really showing that regardless God loves them and God wants them healed. So when we yield to the Holy Spirit, we're, we're going to always inwardly experience and outwardly express some characteristic of the nature, the life, the love, the power of God. And that's how you effortlessly minister to people and manifest the Holy Spirit and your life changes. But likewise, you know, we talk about forgiveness. When, when a person, when, when I need to be merciful to somebody I, I despise, you know, when I need to be kind and forgiving to somebody who I, who I don't like what they're doing, you know, the question is not, do I need to go pray and get enough faith? The question is, will I make that choice and then just kind of say, okay, God, I'm choosing to do this and trust, you know, you might not say these words, but this is always my intention. I don't always say these, but I just like, okay, God, I will. That's sometimes yeah. that's my whole prayer. Mm -hmm. I will. I will. Because my, my trust is that because I harmonize with his intention and his will, then, then I become that conduit that, that first gets it manifest in me. And man, I love it. I love it when I'm angry and jacked up and bitter and just I make that choice and suddenly I am flooded with peace and compassion for that person. Man, I, I love that. That's the manifestation of the Holy Spirit through you. Absolutely. Yeah. Because yeah. of the Holy Spirit, immediately I have peace. And it, you know, it's, it's really just as simple as I'm, I'm willing. Yes. Yes, I'm willing. I choose it. It really is. When the Holy Spirit, one of his things that he does is he manifests the character of God in every situation, in us and then through us. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, needs are met and people experience God's love and we will always inwardly experience and outwardly express the nature and character and power of God. Mm -hmm. And that's yep. when life becomes effortless. Mm -hmm. I, these past few episodes have been absolutely essential. You know, and I think that today has, you know, I hope for you, listener, mm -hmm. has just really helped you, you know, in understanding and just kind of taking away the weirdness, mm -hmm. you know, that has yeah. surrounded uh, the, the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit working in and, and through your life. And I hope that you can just far more just relax, you know, 
and mm, just relax into it. Yes, just <laughs> yeah. relax into Yield it. Yield to it. That's it. To the influence. Get under that influence. Mm-hmm. And another thing I loved about today, Jim, if there's nothing left to get, if the Holy Spirit is complete me and me, oh. then all that's left to do is harmonize with what I already have. Yeah. And what See, if I drink enough wine, <laughs> yeah. the the only outcome is that's the sure is I'm gonna get drunk. Yeah. And then when I get drunk, I'm going to manifest who I am <laughs> more exuberantly. Yes. And that's why that model is used because if instead of getting under the influence of wine, I get under the influence of the Holy Spirit, then one certain thing is going to happen. I am going to have this sense. It's not drunkness in the sense of being out of control. No. But it's this, it's, it is this influence that says I'm going to manifest the character and nature yes. of God. I love yeah. that. If I get, if I have enough infilling and yield to the Holy Spirit, I am going to get to the point where I will express the nature of character of God without thinking or trying. It'll be my natural instinct. I can't help but do anything else because I'm so filled. That that's right. that mm-hmm. that's what I do. Mm-hmm. I know we've we've gone. A long time. It's, it's all right. It, yeah. It's all good. Yes. However, I do have one story. Okay. And it's this. You know, on the farm, uh, there was um, uh, a well. And at the well, there was a pump. And next to the the uh, pump, there was a bucket. And the first thing that you would always do is once you're, you know, pumping waters, you'd refill that bucket. Because that bucket was used to prime the pump. So during the day, you know, the the seal, whether it be leather or canvas, it would dry out. And if that and if you can't, you know, get that seal, you know, to prime that pump, uh, you'll 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 be there all day long trying to get water out. Mm -hmm. And so that's the way I I see that when we get together as believers, you know, when when we come together in meetings and when we sing songs, when I personally have my uh, quiet time, my alone time with the Lord, you know, I meditate, I'm out walking, whatever it might be. You see, that's when I'm priming the pump. Yep. And what Absolutely. and what is within begins to come out. That's true. And so it's important. It, that's so good, Bob. You know, yes. That we be w- with one another, that we have these conversations mm-hmm. with each other, that we worship, you yep. know, with one another, that we pray with one another, because a lot of times we're priming the pump. And a lot of times we think it's about, you know, the water in the bucket. No, it's just us coming together so that what is been deposited can be released. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. Good. Ooh, wow. Thanks All so right. much, Jim. You're always so just full of wisdom. So much fun. Hey. And so well, much fun. Wisdom and fun. So wisdom fun. and fun. All right. Just for your reference, this is episode number 91. And believe it or not, we have plans. To also do an episode number 92, 92. next week. That's right. All right. Hey, everyone, <laughs> enjoy your week. Thanks for yes. spending time with us. Bye.